Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. Inflammatory bowel disease causes chronic inflammation to the digestive tract that can cause serious damage and often results in painful symptoms. Two of the conditions under the umbrella of inflammatory bowel disease include Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. I recently had a chance to speak to one of Health Union's advocates for inflammatorybowelldisease.net. Hello, my name is Natalie Hayden. I have had Crohn's disease since July 2005, so I'm coming up on my 14th anniversary. It's hard to believe. And I'm a blogger at lightscamerachrome.com, and I write for inflammatorybowelldisease.com. What was your life like before you were diagnosed with Crohn's? Life before Crohn's was pretty typical, pretty carefree. I went to Marquette University um, and studied journalism. I had aspirations of becoming a television news anchor and reporter. I was always an avid soccer player, basketball player. I did hurdles in high school, very active all the time um, with sports. I never would have ever believed I would come down with a chronic illness. I never even had an ear infection growing up. So I was definitely blindsided uh, when I was told at age 21 that I had Crohn's disease. Hmm. And how were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed in a very interesting way. This isn't the case for many people with IBD. I was actually diagnosed in the emergency room, um, which was very surprising. I had been sick for about two months and I had gone to my general internist and she was unable to come up with a reason why. They first thought it was my appendix, then they thought it was my gallbladder. I had a couple ultrasounds, everything was coming up fine. And then finally, after about two months of losing weight, being practically emaciated, um, being too weak to even go up 13 stairs in my parents' house, uh, mm-hmm. feeling pain every time I ate. My mom's a nurse, and she said, you know what, we're going to the emergency room. And when I went to the emergency room, they did an abdominal uh, CAT scan, mm-hmm. and they did a rectal exam. And I'll never forget, the doctor just walked in the room, and he said, it looks like you have Crohn's disease. You're getting admitted immediately. You're malnourished. Uh, you're getting a colonoscopy tomorrow to confirm everything. And right then and there, my world changed forever. Wow. And you were 21? Yes. I had graduated college two months prior, um, and I was turning 22 the next month. Oh, wow. Now, I know the severity of inflammatory bowel disease can fluctuate over time with periods Mm -hmm. of remission and periods of flares. Can you describe what it means to have a flare? What it means to have a flare. Um, I've unfortunately dealt with several flares in the past 13 and a half years of my life. Uh, Some have landed me in the hospital several times, others have not. So one of my main issues has always been bowel obstructions. And that's where I came up with the name of my blog, Lights, Camera, Crowns, an Unobstructed View, meaning transparent, but also a play on words because bowel obstructions have always been my main issue. Uh, Flares for me, uh, I get a horrible fever. I'm talking of 104 degrees or higher. Um, I vomit from the pain. I oftentimes can't even walk into the emergency room. I have to be carried. Um, I just get this overwhelming fatigue, stabbing pain, gnawing pain in my abdomen that doesn't go away even when I wake up in the morning. It just keeps going on for days. Um, Pain every time I eat. Uh, And back in the day before I became a a married woman, before I became a mom, I would kind of try to be a hero and try to take it on myself. And I would let it get to be pretty serious. 
And that was never a smart idea, but I never wanted to go to the hospital because I knew that would mean going on steroids, tests, procedures I didn't want to do. So oftentimes I would wait till it was too late. And one time I had an abscess the size of a tennis ball and that they almost need to re- needed to remove surgically, but luckily they did not. But um, in 2015, I underwent a bowel obstruction that actually ended up with a bowel resection surgery where I was hospitalized for the bowel obstruction. They did an MRE scan and they determined that I was going to need my intestine removed. So I had 18 inches of my intestine removed in August 2015. And since then, luckily, I've been in surgical remission that has carried me through two pregnancies and brought two healthy children into this world. Mm -hmm. And I always used to say, oh, I dodged the bullet. I went 10 years without surgery when in actuality, I wish I would have done surgery sooner because it gave me my life back. It gave my quality of life back and I responded beautifully to it. Mm -hmm. So all of it's so scary going into it. Now I wish I would have had it sooner. What a blessing, like you said, but I know that other people have had different experiences. So it's not just like one treatment fits all, correct? That's what's so challenging about inflammatory bowel disease is no two patients have the same journey. Every single person's experience is unique in and of itself. So, well, you know, one medication that helped one person, you might not respond to it at all. One person who never had surgery could still have severe disease, but another person might have had 20 surgeries. Every single person has it completely different, but we also share many of the same experiences, if that makes sense. So, you know, I might not have the same disease as so-and-so, but we've both been on prednisone. We're both on a biologic. We know what it means to have a flare, how it feels, the abdominal pain. So even though each person's disease is different, which can make it so difficult to diagnose in the first place, it's also this common ground because once you are diagnosed, you understand the reality of what it means to have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Mm. So being in remission now, do you still experience symptoms? I do. So I always put remission in quotes because, you know, it's a chronic illness. So you're never going to be completely cured. There is no cure for IBD. It is not irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, which it is commonly confused with. It is a chronic issue. It's inflammatory, meaning you can have inflammation all the way from your mouth all the way to your anus, and it can skip spots, and it can happen in the blink of an eye. Every single flare-up I've had has blindsided me and happened out of nowhere. I've been completely fine. I've anchored the morning news, ran nine miles, driven two hours to my now husband's house. We were long distance when we were dating. And then by dinner time, hospitalized with a bowel obstruction. That's how it's happened for me every time. So I don't take an hour for granted because I know how quickly the disease can shift. As a mom of two now, I have a two-year-old and a 12-week-old. I definitely feel it more in my joints because I'm so active now, carrying a 30-pounder and then nursing a baby and taking care of them both by myself every day. Um, You know, some days I'm in the bathroom five, six times a day. Other days I don't go to the bathroom at all. So it's a day-by-day situation, and I don't even really think about remission. I just take it each day at a time because I know how quickly it can change. But I do reflect back and think, you know, I'm feeling really well today. I'm really having a feel-good day today. That's how I feel today. Uh, I feel fantastic today. I don't feel like I have any disease in me, but that could be different by dinner time. So it's really an hour by hour, case by case basis that I take it on. And it sounds like it has caused you to be very grateful for, like you said, every moment. It really has, you know, especially being a mom. And when I was diagnosed at age 21, of course, I wasn't in that mindset of I want to be married and I want to have children. I aspire to that, but it was, it seems so far down the road. When I became 
married at 33, I knew that I wanted to have children right away because I was still going through that remission. Um, and I thought, you know, I, I just pray that my remission can hold and that I can bring a life into this world. And lucky for me, I went into remission, had the pregnancies, and I stayed in remission throughout my pregnancies. So actually being pregnant was the best I felt since being diagnosed in 2005. People always joke with me, oh, how many kids are you going to have since you feel so great? Uh, but the whole time you're pregnant, you're also nervous because that can change. And that's not just you, you have to worry about, you have to worry about your baby as well. Yeah. With it affecting your digestive system, you have to worry about the nutrients, not only for you, but for your baby too. Definitely. And what's so great about pregnancy is the hormone that is released relax and causes your digestive tract to relax as well. So it slows down digestion. So for many of us that go to the bathroom often, uh, it's a blessing in disguise. That's a good point. Were you concerned at all about any treatments that you're taking? Are you, are you currently on treatments? Yeah. So I've been on Humira, a biologic injection since July, 2008, basically my three-year anniversary of being diagnosed when I had the abscess is when they put me on Humira and luckily I've responded great to it and it's the only biologic I've needed. So I've been on that almost 11 years and I'm also on a folic acid for me and the baby at all times and then a prenatal and even when I had my son, they kept me on the prenatal because they knew I was in childbearing years and they just wanted to keep my body prepped for the next baby. Um, so I still take prenatals, I still take folic acid since I'm breastfeeding and then I also uh, have been taking Lialda or mesalamine. I am off that now just because with breastfeeding, it can cause diarrhea in the baby. So I'm just taking, you know, a couple months off of that drug, but I'll be back on it once I'm done breastfeeding. One of the articles that you've written for inflammatorybowelddisease.net was about hiding your chronic pain behind a smile. Mm-hmm. I remember my very beloved, dear, great aunt telling me you can be in pain, but you don't have to be a pain. And it's Uh. definitely made me hide, made me hide or not share when I'm in pain with others. Why do you think it's important to share what you're going through with other people? I've been on both sides of that. Um, It took me a decade to even come out and tell people that I had IBD. I was just I think I was in denial and I thought, you know, if I don't talk about it and I can just smile and act like a normal person since I look normal, this is an invisible disease, I can get away with it. Mm -hmm. But then I came to realize that by doing that, I'm closing myself off to support that's available from others. And I'm just, you know, hurting myself because the minute you choose to share, you open yourself up to support from everybody, friends and family, and you quickly get to see who's there for the long haul who genuinely cares about your well-being and which friends just, you know, maybe aren't the friends you thought they were. So by sharing and not always acting like everything's hunky-dory and perfect in my life, I've come to realize that it's helped me deal with my disease. And by vocalizing the pain that I feel, it's also educating others the fact that Crohn's isn't, you know, the worst thing ever. It's not like I'm dying of terminal cancer or something. But at the same time, it is a tough battle. It's a debilitating disease. And people often just think, oh, she just goes to the bathroom a lot. When we all know it's so much more than that. That's a really important point. And to that, what do you wish people knew about Crohn's disease or IBD? I wish that those that didn't have IBD we're aware of the inner conversation that is a constant in anybody's life who's been diagnosed with a chronic illness every minute, every hour of every day. Every decision we make, whether it's, should I drink a cup of coffee today or is that gonna cause my symptoms to flare up? Should I eat this sandwich? Should I have this cantaloupe? Should I drive to go see my friend or is the drive too long without a bathroom? 
every little decision, you know, I'm giving a presentation at work. I'm nervous. Do, do I have time to go to the bathroom before it? What if I have to go during it? You are thinking about your outfit choice. Should I wear jeans or will the button on my stomach cause me to have pain at work? Um, so many decisions you make throughout the day that most people don't even have to think twice about. Uh, this is what is on our minds going on 24 seven. So it can cause anxiety. It can make you so nervous and just also make you just have social anxiety. You know, you might not want to go out to public. You might not want to go to restaurants. You might look at a menu and think, how is this going to make me feel? Um, so many things go on that people just have no idea about unless that's part of their reality. And that's a lot of energy. It is. It's exhausting at times. And, you know, sometimes you just have to articulate it to others. You know, I have to think about this. And then you don't want people's sympathy because I just hate when people look at me with, you know, pitiful eyes and think, oh, poor Natalie, that's not what I'm going for. I'm just trying to say, you know, give them a little snippet of what is going on in my mind and why, you know, making plans with friends from two weeks out is not always easy because I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. And then that day, if I cancel, I feel guilty. So oftentimes that's where the whole putting on a fake smile, you know, maybe being in pain the whole time you're out to, out with friends goes on. And that happens more often than people are aware of. Can you give me an example of something that a friend or family member has done that supported you? Oh my goodness. I have such a fantastic support system. My husband is unbelievable. He's never left me one night, one day in the hospital. He's held my hand through every step of the way. My mom and my dad and my brothers. Uh, I've come from a big Greek and Italian family, so everybody is so supportive and so wonderful. I've had, you know, friends. I have some friends that are really supportive. I have others who just choose not to even talk to me about it ever. And I'd say that's more the case. So I lean heavier on my family than my friends. My friends are supportive when they need to be and when I'm hospitalized and on a day-to-day basis. They can go months without asking me, which is fine. You know, I don't try to make it a huge conversation. And since I started blogging in 2016, I do feel like it's been more of a conversation just because it's all over my social media. But otherwise, if they read the articles, they either don't care, don't want to bring it up, don't think it's important, uh, don't want to, you know, upset me. I think some people struggle with, you know, how often they should talk about it with me. So that's a good point. When, when someone has a friend with a chronic illness, what is a good way to approach them about it? Because I've, I've heard from some people, they don't want to be asked, how are you feeling every day? I definitely do not want to be asked how I'm feeling every time I talk to somebody. That makes me feel sickly. But at the same time, you know, once a month, once a week, depending on how often you talk to the person. Um, I think especially once you become a patient advocate and you're writing for inflammatorybowelddisease.net or your own blog and people visibly see you talking about it and they don't bring that up when that's obviously such a big part of your day-to-day life. It's For me, it's my job part-time now that I'm a mom of two and I'm able to stay home with them. All my writing and all my advocacy effort, that's my you know main focus in life and my passion project. So for somebody to see me doing all this work and not bring it up, it actually hurts my feelings. And I don't need them to say, how are you feeling? But they could say, hey, I saw that article you wrote. That was really awesome. Or that podcast interview, I listened to it. You know, just showing that they actually care uh, and showing compassion when you need them most. So when you're in the hospital, if you have a, quote, best friend and they don't even text you or call you or visit, uh, that's a red flag. It, it kind of makes you think, man, is this really my best friend? Is this somebody that I need alongside me through these difficult moments and the triumph moments too? You know, there's there's great ways that you can live with chronic illness and still get to celebrate life. But there's also moments where you need others to support you when you're too weak to stand up on your own. 
I agree. I think when you have friends who celebrate with you and are there during the tough times, it's sometimes you can find someone who'll who'll do the bad times, but not the celebration, or or yes, vice versa. True. People surprise you. <laughs> they, they do. Why do you think it's important for people with IBD to have an online community? The online community that I've been able to tap into these past couple of years since sharing my story, um, I, I started talking about it in 2015 online, and that community is the best. IBD families, what I always call them, we're resilient, we're strong, we're there for one another. We connect on so many levels near and far. And then when you meet these people in person, whether it's at a conference, HU Connection, I was there last year, I got to meet a bunch of the writers uh, for Inflammatory Bell Disease.net. It's unbelievable because you connect on so many levels. They're like lifelong friends, even though you've never met them in person. And then you get their phone numbers and you're able to text them and talk to them about your symptoms and how you're feeling day to day versus people that want to be there, but they don't quite understand your reality. So I find that the online community is where I get the most support, most inspiration. I look at other people, what they're doing, what they're posting, what they're talking about, what topics are of interest to them. I find Twitter and Instagram are the most prevalent areas where you can really communicate with not only patients, but physicians. And there's also fantastic apps out there. When I was diagnosed in 2005, I felt so isolated and so alone because there was nothing, nobody. I, I felt like I was on a desert island. Now there's thousands of people right at your fingertips. You can talk to somebody in Japan, in England, people all over the world and instantly connect with them. That's great. I, and I love how earlier you said people should listen to this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, podcasts are great because you can hear somebody's voice. I feel like blogging, you know, posting on social media, you feel like you know the person, but once you get to actually hear their voice, hear them say these words, you get to know them on a whole different level. Is there anything you wanted to share that I haven't asked about? I would just say my heart always goes out to the newly diagnosed people, especially parents. Now that I'm a parent myself, who are struggling with young children being diagnosed or teens being diagnosed that are headed off to college. There's so much stress and so much worry. And just know you're not alone. And I always believe that no matter what comes along in your patient journey, that first year is so difficult because it's your identity completely shifts. But while your identity shifts, it's part of you, but it is not all of you. So don't feel overconsumed by IBD. It's a small part of your identity. You're still that same person. And if anything, I always believe that God gives his toughest lessons to his greatest teachers. And you were given this for a reason. And you'll find that reason. You'll discover a strength within yourself that you didn't know was there. And it's not ideal. I don't wish this upon anybody. At the same time, people ask me, if you could not have Crohn's, would you? And I say, no, you know, it's actually made me who I am today. Thank you so much for taking this time and, and sharing your story and sharing your, your inspiration. Thank you so much. To read Natalie's articles and join the conversation, visit inflammatorybowelddisease.net. You can also find inflammatorybowelddisease.net on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter as IBD underscore HU. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.